If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it if you're watching on War Chant TV. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you very much if you're listening while driving around here in town. 93.3 Real Talk Radio. Appreciate that very, very much. On Twitter, it's at Cameron Show. Practice over in Jacksonville today. Sounds like uh, a little bit uh, better day for the defense than it was yesterday where uh, the offense kind of carried the day, so uh, we shall see. But uh, we had Corey Clark on last hour. You missed any of that? Don't forget to listen to the podcast, Jeff Cameron Show podcast downloads uh, on the War Chant Network there and uh, Apple Podcast. You can find it anywhere. Uh, type that in, and you'll find the show. And uh, you can also find it on YouTube there, War Chant TV. So you're good to go there as well. Uh, we were efforting to have Michael Langston on to start the hour because Florida State just got a commitment. We have a update time for that ass as uh, Florida State has landed a defensive tackle. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to land big defensive tackles. Lots of them. you got to throw numbers at the offensive and defensive lines. These are big men who oftentimes go down get injured. Yeah, it's a position where it's just uh, you you I mean you're tangoing every play, man. It's it's just tough. So, uh I'm always uh, one to get excited about these commitments. The latest being defensive tackle Tavion Gadsden has said yes to Florida State. He is 6 foot 5, depending on where you look, 270, 265, somewhere in there. And um he announces his decision to come to Tallahassee 6 weeks after his visit. And uh, now, I don't know, Tom, that's the 13th commitment for the class of 2023. Uh, It is, uh, if you think about what we've added up front, that's five defensive linemen now in that class of 2023. We've already mentioned Keldrick Falk. Obviously very excited about him. Lamont Green, Jr., of course. And uh, Jaden Jones, Sampson is also in. And, And now 
you have this commitment and uh, Tavion Gadsden. Yeah, that's why I, I'm okay with this. It's uh, He's a consensus three-star in the On3 network, and you see his profile up there. The director pulled it up. And you're saying, well, okay, so it came down to us in Minnesota. Like, really? This is this is a kid that, you, that you're going to take given the depth of the class? Be- because of the depth of the class at this particular position up front and on the edge especially, I don't, we'll see what he projects to be at the next level, and if Michael comes on, we can ask him that. But because you're deep, that that means more to me that this is a take. If you were striking out, then I'd be more worried about the Yeah, that would reek in. of but, desperation yes, as opposed to... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting time. Anytime we begin to get into the discussion of um, recruiting right now, I end up, you know, I, I I don't withdraw from the discussion. I just I note that um, bottom line is you're going to have to win some games if you want the profile of these players uh, to 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 be greater than they are. Now there are some exceptions. We got some really good players in this class already, but the truth is, uh, a lot of times right now you are seeing those profiles where you look and you go, "Okay, well, we beat out uh, Minnesota." Okay, but at the same time, a doesn't mean he won't be a good player, and b, um, you know, I just don't know what you expect. You you're you're if you try to think about what you're capable of recruiting at this point. The new car smell is not here. I don't want to relitigate all of this, but at the end of the day, you haven't won any games. Uh, you know, you, you are going to be able to recruit guys that reside in the neighborhood of 200, 150, 215. You know, I mean, that just stands to reason until you win some damn games. Well, and it's something that yeah, we can ask Michael when he comes on here in a moment. Uh, looks like we're all patched through and everything's good. But in the old days, it was Bobby would go to the living room. He would have dinner with your mom. He would win over the mom of the house, yeah. and he would land the commitment. Yeah, good night, Irene, yeah. In the Jimbo days, it was when he was actually recruiting and not quitting on the program towards the end, it was the blazer. He'd put on the closer, you know, blazer, and everybody's like, oh, look at that. Well, we're going to get this it's kid. It's happening. This year, it's two things. It's winning football games. That's your best closer. It's the biggest. And then it's making sure that you're not way behind in the NIL game, which I believe that's already been solved for the most part. Yeah, we're identifying people, and and, and we have competitive offers. You want to hold this thing together? You got to have a good September, and you got to win some damn football games. That's your closer this year. It's not a blazer. It's not an all shucks guy sitting down at at a dinner table. It is winning football games. Let's bring in Michael Langston. He can help us make more sense of this as well. Uh, Michael, how are you, brother? I'm glad we got the technicalities worked out here for you. Uh, you good to go? Yeah, I don't know what was going on there, but uh, yeah, I'm good, man. How are you guys? Great. Tell us about this kid, because I don't know a lot about him, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. I can certainly read from our site, uh, Tavion Gadsden, what he is, but at six foot five, mm-hmm. 265, is he a edge guy or an interior guy? Yeah, he's going to... Um it's probably going to end up as an interior guy with Odell. He spent the most time with Odell, very coveted guy from, from the start. FSU has been on him harder than anybody. Tennessee, you had to out battle Tennessee for that one. So you know how that works with NIL. Uh, so they, they've certainly had some heavy competition. I think the main thing with Davion is just, 
what you watch when you when you break down his film is just the way he gets off the line. Like is really fast. Like he he's a very good pass rusher. Um, certainly gets off, uh, uses his hands well as far as you know getting off blocks. But uh, he, and he is a tackle lost tackle for loss machine. <laughs> he's just always in the backfield. Uh, that's the thing I noticed when I studied a lot of his film is like, man, he gets a lot of tackles for loss. He just doesn't. There's not a lot of misses as far as when he when he gets off that line of scrimmage, bam, he's there. Um, so there's things technique wise that he's going to have to clean up. Probably why he's a you know a high three star and stuff like that. But I think the potential when you see what the skill set is, uh, the way he pass rushes and and his his athleticism is is certainly tremendous. And I think it's a really good add for FSU. So, Michael, just some debates on the boards with people about who was actually interested in him. I know that it basically lists that we chose he chose us over Minnesota, but some folks have pointed out that Tennessee liked him, Georgia liked him. Uh, if that's accurate, that Georgia liked him and was serious in any way, well, I think obviously a lot of four State fans would be very excited to hear that given what Georgia's been, uh, in particular on defense the last couple of years. Yeah, I think Georgia was, you know, somewhat involved, and I think uh, mainly it was uh, Tennessee. Tennessee was the team that they were most concerned about. Okay. Uh, he visited Tennessee twice in the summer, uh, once after uh, each one after FSU. So they obviously covet him. They want him. Uh, I've heard they pushed for him as far as trying to get them in his class. So uh, this wasn't a situation where it was just, oh, it's just this kid that is interested in Minnesota or, or somebody that, you know, this wasn't pushing. I mean, they were pushing. There was schools that were very active with him. But he took two visits in the summer there, took two visits to FSU, I think an unofficial, and then obviously the official in June. And uh, I think the big thing, I guess, in, the, in this recruitment – as it is a lot of defensive tackles or guys that are in the defensive tackle is Odell. Um, Odell does a great job of relationships, but also there's not many, there's very few that can put the amount of guys in the league or per, or develop the way uh, Odell does uh, from the college ranks. I think this kid's going to be used kind of similar to the way they used Dennis Briggs. If you watch a lot of his uh, you know, development as a player uh, throughout his career at FSU, I think there's sometimes Dennis has been strong side defensive yep. end. There's sometimes he's moved inside. Sure. I think this is the type of kid that will do that, probably grow into around, you know, 280, something like that by the time uh, he graduates. And then, you know, like Dennis, he'll he'll add weight. But uh, both are really explosive off the line. Uh, that I think they're similar to, you know, just the way they pass rush and stuff like that. I'm not comparing them to them, just showing people's similarities between Tavion and also uh, Dennis Briggs. But that's kind of how I view him being used in this defense. Love Dennis Briggs. So if anything comes close to that, that's a good thing. Now, I'm going to ask you something really quick, Michael, because we're not just we're not just about the fluff here on the Jeff Cameron Show. I want to ask you something, and I want you to react to it. I'm going to read you something, and I want you to react okay. to it, all right? Now, so we I, – I'm – Always trying to do my research. First of all, I read all your stuff, Michael, or I just ask you about a kid because I can because <laughs> yeah. we work together. But you know I don't spend a lot of my time studying national recruiting. That's not my thing. That's what you do, and you're an expert at it. So I read things both on our website and across sites across the country. And there was an article, I think it came out last week, and it was an article about which universities should be thinking about panicking right about now when it comes to recruiting. 
And there was, you know, UCLA and Ole Miss was on that list. Michigan, to an extent, was on that list. I, I remember Missouri was on that list. But Florida State was on that list. And the person wrote uh, about Florida State's class, which at the time that they wrote this article, uh, they said sat around 40th nationally and 8th in the ACC. And that's, I, I, first of all, I looked at that. I was like, oh, okay, let, let me read more here. This Again, this is, this is a different site. This is what they were writing. But the crooks of what they were writing about why Florida State would maybe be on the verge of panicking was that, in their mind, and I want you to correct any inaccuracies here, okay, Michael? He's, the, the, the author of the article said there are 81 blue-chip prospects in the state of Florida in the 2023 recruiting cycle. Florida State has commitments from just three. Florida has 12. Miami has commitments from four players ranked in the state's top 20 alone. This person was pointing out that's not a recipe for success for Mike Norvell. What do you make of that, and were there any inaccuracies there? I, I don't think there's a, there's inaccuracies of, hey, they, they need to recruit the state of Florida better, but you have to, I mean, as far as the class and panicking, yeah, I don't agree with that. I mean, I think they're doing really well. I think uh, they're likely going to get uh, four-star Blake Nicholson. Obviously, he's out from California. Mm -hmm. but And then you look at the class overall, the offensive line's good. They have a four-star defensive tackle in Keith Sampson. They just added Tavion Gadsden. They're, they're, they're a major factor for a guy like Jordan Hall that's in-state. But I think a lot of these kids in-state, they want to see what the damn product is. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it's because they know about FSU. So they're that's the way I would respond to that article is they need to see the product you know, as far as on the field. Even even Miami, to an extent, in Florida, certainly, I think those are more comfortable situations as far as your product or what your product is, even though Miami's kind of yes. average at best uh, you know, when they, when they as far as what they do during the season. But they were in a more comfortable situation in FSU. But I think a lot of these recruits kind of want to see what FSU is before – they jump on. I don't think it's not. Oh, FSU's ignoring the state of Florida kids. I think they're on them. I think they're on a lot of state of Florida kids. I think it's just a lot of these kids want to wait and see what the product is. Show me that your product's different. Show me that your passing game's different. Show me that your defense is is more consistent in getting stops. I mean, I think that's the stuff that a lot of recruits want to see before they just go all in on FSU. They're in state. Yeah. Translation. Win some damn games. Yeah. There it is. There it is. Michael, always appreciate it, brother. Be good, man. I'll talk to you soon. You, you got it, bud. Take right. care. Take care. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I wasn't – I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot, but, you know, you read that, Tom, and you you think, well, okay, that's, a, that's another view of where Florida State's at in recruiting right now. Again, when you read that, 81 blue-chip prospects in the state of Florida for the 2023 cycle. Florida State has commitments from three. Florida has 12. Uh, troubling. Right. Well, if you do what you're supposed to do and win football games and yeah, Florida changes. stumbles and how many of them jump ship from Gainesville. We've seen that in Miami a lot of years with a lot of different coaches and you want to finish strong. You want to close strong here. Michael's answers, I mean, it's logical. Well, both, it's logical both Florida because and Miami currently have the new car smell because they have a brand new They do coach. and also they have more recent success. Yes, by you know, far. Yes. They, they have more highlights in the last three, four years when these kids actually started high school. Not when they were, you know, seven sure. or eight. Yeah. We don't have any 
You know, that's the well, problem. I, I, this, I was trying to – thank you. Yeah, I was illustrating the point that every time we talk about recruiting, you're, you're only going to be able to get to a certain level of excitement and you're only going to be able to reach a certain level of recruit. Now, there are outliers in any recruiting class. But the point would be you're only going to get attention from kids that can – let's say the four- and five-star guys that we really clamor for. The, the elite five-star kid in our own backyard, let's say, a five-star kid in the state of Florida who you would like to think you have a relationship with and maybe can win over, right? Now, he's being recruited not just by Florida and Miami and Florida State. If he's a five-star kid out of the state of Florida, he's being recruited by Georgia, being recruited by Alabama, he's being recruited by Clemson in the South alone. Then you throw in an Ohio State and a, now these days Southern Cal and obviously Oklahoma and Texas about to join the SEC. They're going to be recruiting the state heavily. All of the programs I just named, save for Southern Cal, and their reason is about the money that they're pouring into it now, but have had a ton of success recently. Well, Texas hasn't, but you get my point. But Oklahoma, obviously Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, and then even within the state, as you're pointing out, Florida and Miami have. Until you win games, until you roll out there and have a winning record, you just it's not going to be reasonable to recruit a top 10 player, a top 50 player, a top 25 player. He's not coming. Well, yeah, you can recruit them, but close them. That's you're the not going to close yeah. them. And yeah. if you recruit them, you're wasting your time and resources uh, where they could be better spent with somebody else that you could get a yes from. Right, yeah. The short and sweet way of putting it is I'm glad that these guys are good at evaluation, but I, I really... It would be nice to not have to always be so good at evaluation. It would yeah. be nice to just have these kids knocking on your door because you're that good. Right. Let's evaluate between the four and five stars that we like and say, this kid's going to be a bust. Right, right. You know, these, this kid's going to be awesome, even though he's a low four-star. Watch him you know, perform like a five-star. Let's turn those talents of evaluation towards better quality of players. <laughs> yeah. Right yeah. now we're getting by. We're doing good with yeah. the transfer portal we and the classes. Well. Yeah. You're doing fine, but... Yes, if you win, let's say you split your in-state rivalry games this year on the way to eight wins. Okay, let's see how many blue chippers in the state of Florida make their way to Tallahassee at that point. Eight wins, and you beat either Miami or Florida, which means your final impression, that's both in November, is good before December, that uh, we're a player in the state. The number's not going to be two or three. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. I just, I'm answering the big picture question. We're looking at it from... 20,000 feet and saying, okay, look, man, it's unreasonable that you, you know, I, I get every day on this show, we get a tweet or an email or somebody in the chat, hey, why aren't we getting so and so? Or a big name player will commit to a school that either we have to play or is in the same region. Why, why isn't Florida State on him? Well, man, look, they know who he is, but they're not going to get that kid, not with the way we've played until you go out and win some games. And that's why I continually bring up how important the early season games are. Yeah. you you got to make an impression that things are different around here. And you can do that with a win over LSU. Or you can do that with a close game against LSU, even if it ends in a loss, and then a win over Louisville. You could do that. Michael and I have laughed about this on a recruiting chat that I hosted and he was the expert for just a couple weeks ago here on Warchant TV. And that was, there's not a whole lot of time. Like, you look at the Venn diagram, right? There's not a whole lot of time where team and recruiting have the same conclusion about what's important for a season for a coaching staff right like for example i'll use an obvious one but when saban took over at alabama that loss to ulm is not going to hurt him it's nick saban they're going to be okay 
You know, so for that year, the team reporting was saying, Jesus, you lost to ULM. And the recruiting yeah. reporting saying, well, that's not going to happen anymore because what do you see with this class that comes in? We are now in a place where the circles are right on top of each other. And they're saying the same thing, which is you've got to win. Team, re- team reporting, recruiting reporting, it's all the same. It's about wins this year. This is a critical year. you got to have it. You know, and it's kind of makeshift, and we got to make sure we do the right thing, but we can carry over the conversation about solving for that future with our friends from ISF. We also do have one of the questions from last week, too, that we can chew on and turn over to the chat. You remember what it was? No. It's a good one. Oh, I do remember what yeah. it was. Yeah, it is a good one. We'll do it next. We'll solve for the future with our friends from ISF on the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. We mentioned it a moment ago, and so we'll get right to it. This is the part of the week and part of the show where we get to brag about our partners on the Jeff Cameron Show. And it's been a great marriage uh, so far. So good. Let's keep that thing rolling. Our friends at ISF Solve for the Future. We talk about what they are as an agency and how they work with you. They are an IT and strategy firm. 40 years plus, they have served state government business clients, and they've done it not only in the state of Florida, but across the country. And uh, they are here on the Jeff Cameron Show serving the purpose of sponsoring solve, Solving for the Future. And we got we thought we would incorporate, you know, last week when we did this, Tom, um, it was a great example of what ISF does, uh, working closely with their clients and getting, you know, their clients' teams input and, um, you know, Knowing their history and then working with them to better uh, the methodology and the and the and the processes of technology and all that. So we did it on the show during this segment. We we asked about our four defensive linemen last week because it came up and you know who who you got on the field was it third and ten was that what it was yeah third and passing third and long third and yeah. long. But somebody asked us in that same chat while we were doing the exercise in order to solve for the future. Um, who are our four four wide receivers? When it's third and ten, uh, was that Buffalo Tom? Who did I believe that? it was. I believe it was. And uh, okay, so let's let's solve that predicament. Third and ten's not a good down for Florida State. It's not a good down for anybody, but it's especially not a good down for Florida State because again, the drop back passing game has been lacking around here. Third and obvious is a down where you're going to have to make a tight window throw. You're going to have to make a throw into the teeth of a defense that knows you're throwing. They're going to pin their ears, um, and they're going to obviously have a, a better opportunity to make plays because Florida State does not have the kind of receiving core that routinely gets um, separation. So I, I think that's that's a big part of it. Now, the bottom line is the personnel is the personnel, and it's time. Third and ten. Who you got? Yeah, assume for the purposes of this exercise that you're leaving in a back to protect as well. That's why you don't get five. You don't get four wide receivers and a tight end or something like right, that. Right. You got five, four wide, one back. 
Well, Micah Pittman's one of the guys you start with. Sure. I think now, and I would have said this last week too, Johnny Wilson has to be out there in that situation. Well, part of me believes he's better in those moments than he is in the obvious ones that you'd think a 6'7 guy would be good at. Um, Ooh, well, Malik McClain has to be one of the four. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the question is, is it Pokey? Is it Kentron? Is it's it, Pokey. I guess it has to be. What that exercise does for you is accentuate how lacking we are at the position. It really does. You could use Deuce, though, to clear out a space if you're looking to clear something with a speed and an underneath. You can. It depends on the play call. You are correct. Um, in terms of polish and dependability, I think what you're talking about are the four that you laid there that you laid out there. I, I probably. I mean, I guess there's still time. There is a scrimmage Saturday for Kentron uh Portier uh to continue to he has a good day then a bad day, a good day then a bad day or a nothing day and then a good day. And not not necessarily a bad day, but he has a good day and then a nothing day. I think Keyshawn had a killer day earlier this not week gonna in camp happen. too. No, he's not going to be out there on third and 10. I don't know. Well, With Pokey? I mean, listen. Uh, eh. Pokey hasn't been as consistent to me as I, I think maybe some of the conclusions are being drawn. But you wouldn't supplant Pokey with Keyshawn Helton. All I'm saying is that his hold on the position is such that if it was Kentron or if it was Keyshawn, or, I, I don't know. What I mean, it tells you is we don't have four good receivers. Well, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. By high-level Power 5 standards, yeah. No, we don't. I'll answer this next question in the chat about that very thing in a moment. Let's go to somebody else while we're solving for the future here. Um because this person took the time to write us, and we appreciate that. And so, uh, Naples Noel, uh, we appreciate you writing in here. Uh, it was actually, was that an email or was it on the boards? It was on the boards over at warchant.com. Well done. That's why I didn't see it. Not because I don't go to warchant.com, but I don't go to the boards all that often. That doesn't that doesn't mean you shouldn't. It's just that I don't spend a lot we of time we got to get there. you on there for an Ask Me Anything we on do. the boards. Sure. Um, I know the first question I'm going to get. Because of the joke I made two weeks ago. Oh, man, I don't even know It that. would be of choice, right? They'd say, what's what's the of choice? All right. Because I said what I said. Well, you laughed about it at the time, but I was talking about addictive personality. That tells you how good my short-term memory um, is lately. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, now I know. Naples Noel writes, love the JC show and listen to the pod every day. Thank you. I don't understand why you guys think the 2022 schedule is harder than the 2021 schedule. And then he has a comparison for every, for every game. And if I could rapid fire this thing, he thinks that um, Notre Dame at Doak it was a tougher game than the LSU game up in New Orleans is going to be for us this year. He reasons that Notre Dame had a ton of returning talent on the lines. That's true. Their cast-off offensive lineman was our best offensive lineman, and he's right about that. We were just hoping to keep a game, which we did. LSU replaces their head coach with Notre Dame's from last year as well as a starting quarterback, five wide receivers, and a few defensive backs to the portal, not to mention 10 draft picks. In short, I think 2021 Notre Dame beats 2022 LSU. Now, how much is that offset by the fact that we're playing basically a road game against LSU? Uh, I would also suggest that folks who haven't looked so far at the players that they've brought in in the portal at LSU to, to help supplement the losses – Go look at who those players were. There's some good ones. There's basically Louisiana's best player. Uh, they, they have transfers that have played high-level football in the Power Five and started. 
So these aren't kids that haven't played big-time college football that they've brought in. These are kids that are players. Are they going through a massive transition? Without question. And we get them at the right time. I love that you're playing this game early. I think if you're playing this game late in the year, it could be a real problem. Here, I think you, you got a chance to win the game. And our fans have done a good job, so it'll be closer to a bowl game than a true road game. Right, right. It won't be a bowl game. I don't think it's going to be completely neutral. It'll be partisan, but it's not going to be crazy, you know, 80-20 LSU fans. Throw this game out, Duquesne and UMass. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I okay. agree. All right. Then he has Louisville. That is, uh, this is at Louisville versus Doak, but I call any difference a wash. I don't. I don't call any difference a wash. I, I think playing up there, if you play up there at night, uh, they have an atmosphere now. It can be a tough place to play. And they all are, I mean, most importantly, in the positions that, that, that matter are back, and they beat us here. I, I, that's a, it's a tougher game. Yeah, it's a, it's not a wash. You got one more year of experience for Cunningham. There's continuity in the system. Their defense isn't any great shakes, but it, it's also the location matters. It does. It's a Friday night. That's their home opener. That's their de facto opener. Their actual first game of the season is against UCF the previous Friday. So their home opener against Florida State on a Friday night with a quarterback who's got another year of experience who could be a playmaker. Their defense isn't good. That's the negative for them, but it's still a tough game. Boston College, he notes that BC lost four offensive linemen. The fifth is hurt. Not much else to discuss. Uh, we did get them at a time where their quarterback was just coming back. Jerkovich was just coming back yep. and played in that game. It was, I believe that was his first game back mm -hmm. uh, for a terribly long stretch. He's a very good quarterback. Doesn't have a lot to work with, although he does have his best receiver back, who's very good. Yeah, it's easier this year, though. Um, I think it is easier this they year. Had, they had one returning starter, and he's out for the year. So that whole offensive line's decimated. If they're going to win, we can't score 20. If we score 20, I think we'll be all right. And I think we're going to score 20 points. Yeah, and it's here. So And again, we waxed them last year if it's not for the officials. Right. And it's, yeah, again, it's here. So, yeah, I like us here, too. Um, all right, 2021 Wake versus 2022 Wake. Well, that just changed, actually, after he sent us that question. Yeah, and that's where I want to say that it is uh, a much easier game for us this year. You're right about that. It's, it's much easier. Um, if, in fact, he doesn't come back to play. Mm-hmm. And if he comes back maybe a week earlier, too, that's the thing. If that's his first game, I don't know. That's that's a really tough setting as well. But if he came back, let's say, the week prior, got up to speed, then you'd say, oh, And I'm okay. rooting for Sam to be healthy. I don't, listen, I want to win games, too. Yeah. Uh, if he can't play, he can't play. I'm not going to sit around and, and bemoan that. But, I, you know, look, I don't root for those kids to have problems like that. And, if you know, I, I, bottom line is I hope he's all right and I hope he gets back as soon as he possibly can. But if he's not going to play in this game, it, then that, we don't know. But if he's not, we should I, we should beat that ass. I mean, let's just let's just let's just say it, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. okay. <laughs> let's all say it. Yeah, we we should beat, beat that, that ass. ass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of fun to say, isn't it? Uh. <laughs> That's funny. You know, when we got this, that that was the Hartman news had not come down. Right. Yet. So it's a big deal to okay. look at this. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Now NC State, man. That game this year is a bear. I believe Naples Knoll called it a wash, which is just that's that's a tough sell. It's not a wash. They're loaded. A lot of people, if they don't pick Clemson, are taking NC State to win the conference. The game is on the road. Their defensive line manhandled our offensive line last year. Those guys are back. Their quarterback is elite in this conference. Um, I, buddy, 
NC State, listen, it's not, it's not that it's not a winnable game. I'm not trying to tell you that NC State is Alabama. They're not. They're a good team. I mean, and it's hard to get the words out of my mouth that Dave Doran has done a fantastic job at NC State lately. He has. The funny thing is you if you start out fast, if we start out fast, the degree of difficulty is higher because it's going to be a night kick. You know, if we're middling before that game, it's maybe a, a 3.30 or a nooner. But if we're good and we get a win over Louisville or LSU, God forbid both, that's going to be a night kick on a Saturday at NC State, so that makes the degree of difficulty all the harder. It's not a wash. That's a more difficult opponent this year. The only saving grace is I believe they played Clemson the week before. So I if they air it out and Clemson wins that game, you might get a distraught bunch that says, well, this whole thing that we were building up towards was a big nothing. And maybe you, you, you jump them in the first quarter. It depends quarter. on what their overall record is, even if they lose to Clemson. Remember, they beat Clemson a year ago in double overtime and, um, you know, went 9-3. and three. Uh, If you lose that game but you're on – pace to go 10 and 2 or something i mean it may not you know we'll, we'll see uh the clemson game is easier this year for us than last oddly because it is here for starters and they did lose coordinators plural but when that game is situated tells me that if dj's not any better at quarterback than he was last year they will have already pulled him and part of the problem is They've recruited the position well. <laughs> so they're going to have a good player filling his shoes. Maybe an inexperienced player, but a good player. Uh, here's what's really fun about that. Boston College and Halfley has played Clemson pretty well. Mm-hmm. And we know that NC State and Clemson played the week before that we travel up to North Carolina. Trying to get a little sneaky peek. Clemson plays Boston College up there in the uh, the blinding uh, yeah. boredom yeah. <laughs> of Chestnut Hill. But that's a good defense. So they could have fundamental questions and noise in the system about their quarterback play and about the functionality of their offense after back-to-back weeks against NC State and Boston College defense, which is pretty good. So you could have Dabo fighting off reporters and getting all snippy, and maybe there's uh, noise the bus in the rides. Sim- the bus rides are not simpatico as they roll into Doe Campbell Stadium. Noise in the system, huh? I like that you look for the angle of behind the scenes distress. It feels like it's there. It's yeah, but I don't we're willing that. We're hoping to will that into being. There are symptoms and signs perhaps that it's there, but I I'm very careful not to overstate these things. Clemson won 10 games last year in an off year in which their quarterback played in large swaths of football terribly. And they still won 10 games. They still uh, looked like most Saturday. I mean, hell, they lost by one score to Georgia, and they didn't give up an offensive point. I mean, I just, they weren't bad. They just If they get a modicum of improvement at quarterback, they're going to be hell to try to beat. If that O-line's better. It is better. Now, a lot of those guys that had to play before they were ready got ah, a ton of experience. Now they got problems because their <laughs> development has been short-circuited. You're, they, they, you're tapping been, on them too early. They've been probably recruiting a little bit higher caliber dough than as I like to say to work yeah, with. Maybe it's just dough. Maybe <laughs> it's all flabby. Maybe they've lost their oh, way. Oh, I love maybe it. Maybe Dabo's checked out. Well, if you've lost your way and you need the expertise of my friends at ISF to come in, helping state government solve for the future through strategy, process, and technology, they work with you. 
They don't talk down to you and say, well, you need to do this. They want to learn more about you. They want to learn why it is behind the scenes is a bit of a mess, and you're calling us in here to clean things up and to streamline the process. That's not one of those consulting-type things that I talk about. These are partners, and it's important to know the difference. ISF.com, if you want to learn, read more about what they do, please do, especially if you're in state government, uh, and understand how they can help you as an IT and strategy firm. It's Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jeff Kemper, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Appreciate you being with us. I didn't, I skipped over a few, didn't I? But he didn't go through the other games that's on within this email, Tom. I don't see the Florida oh, game. I cut it off? Yeah, I think you cut it off. I think you cut it off as it was sent to me. I got through Clemson and then it's just, we're done dealing. It's all right. It's all well, right. Miami's on the road, so that's got to be a tougher game it this year tough. than last year. It is, yeah. It, the question actually evolved. With Hartman being hurt, now how do you look at this schedule compared to last year's schedule? Let's just say that Hartman does not play for argument's sake, and we hope it's he's okay. He's a big difference maker right there, man. He's a real good player. Obviously, when you're talking about all these quarterbacks and that being the most important position, if he doesn't play, you, you would make Florida State the favorite in that game, first and foremost. And I think um, – it does change yeah, by what percentage. I don't know. We're doing this on the fly. But, yeah, I, I would have us as an underdog in that game, and now I have us as a favorite. So that's a big damn deal. One of the big things about this schedule and the way it sets up is, and I don't know that we've talked about this on the show, but Miami, we have all the time in the world to prepare for Miami. After the Clemson game, which we went to break with, you've got a bye week in Georgia Tech before you go down and make a trip to Miami. So if you've got new things you want to install, if you want to react to what Cristobal is doing down there because you've got six games worth, seven games worth of tape, Mm -hmm. you have all the time in the world that you need to prepare for Miami. And then, look, Syracuse is, for some reason, they play us tough maybe because we haven't been good lately. That's exactly why. So (laughs) you can't take that one as a nothing game because you travel on the road after you're down in Miami, you go all the way up to Syracuse. So you can't completely ignore it. But you've got Syracuse and the Raging Cajuns before Florida. I mean, for your two rivalry games, you've got a lot of extra time to spend and take a look at it. Time that you don't have for Clemson, for example, because you've got NC State the week before. That's a toughie one-two punch. But, man, your advanced scouting of Miami and Florida should be impeccable. You ought not lay an egg. You can get beat, but you ought not lay an egg. You can't go out there and be ill-prepared, to your point. I agree with that. That would be fantastic. Um, listen, uh, the, the, the schedule's not easy. When you're not good, no schedule's easy. And, and that's one of the things that I remind myself when we go through the schedule is that I think to myself, okay, well, what, what, what if Florida State were, in fact, in the SEC West and had to play those teams? And then we looked at some other team 
with Florida State's current schedule exactly as is and and listen to two guys talk about how difficult it was, we'd be like, really? Mm. Well, we wouldn't see consistent quarterback play on the level that we're about to this year. But we'd see every other position better. And we would think, my goodness gracious, what are those guys talking about? I mean, and atmospherically, we certainly know there's a We'd huge difference. We'd be playing difference. a lot of uh, 2017 games, you know, yeah. 20 to 17 yeah. final score. That's that's what we'd have to we'd have to hope. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, a fascinating look into the way you view a schedule. We're not great, so we think every schedule is difficult. It is the ACC, Syracuse. It, it in the real world, Syracuse and Wake, and even to some degree, NC State. Although it's well, you put Wake in the SEC West with a healthy Hartman, that's a problem for Auburn. It's a problem for LSU. Well, Auburn it's sucks. a problem for well, Auburn, LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. That game's going to be seventy-five to seventy. I mean, I'm not telling you that they go over five hundred, but I'm telling you that they'd be game because that offense is a nightmare to stop. And given the current comprising of the program, not what it is the, historically. The, the problem is, though, Tom, that that defense at Wake is a sieve, and they would be going against big, strong teams that would possess the ball and keep out of Sam Hartman's hands. And so they would get worn down, and by the third quarter, it would be a lopsided affair for the majority of those games. Yeah, maybe not Ole Miss because those games are track meets. But I, I could see them going on the road against an Arkansas and having them line up and just run the ball down know. Wake's throat. Arkansas is a, an above-average team in that division right now, <laughs> well, and it, whereas Auburn is not, and LSU currently is not. I think LSU would beat Wake's ass. I do. Um, I, 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 but you believe that we're in a coin flip situation with LSU, and well, we should think, beat Wake. I, even with Hartman healthy, you were saying that that I game's would, here. So we're going to take care of That game's here, and I think that their defense is a problem. So, yeah, but I thought it would be a shootout in a close game. Yeah. Um, if we were underdogs, I was going to take us in the points. You know, we got to see how we play. At the end of the day, like, if we go out there and get waxed by LSU, it's going to change the way we think about every one of the, these damn games. I mean, it just. That is true. I mean, and we'll have a lot of time with a bye week right oh, after it. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but you go out there and lose 34 to 13. To LSU, we're like, hmm, okay. Boy, I can't even fathom that. Now, there's your freezing cold take, but I can't even fathom that. 44 to 30, a game 30, like that? 34 to 13. I didn't say 44. Even that. Well, 44 is a little different. But, but yeah, 34 13? No, I don't think that's going to happen. I. Unless the world comes to an end, you've got Duffy starting the game, you know? Like, at that point, I'd say, well, sure. 44-13 is possible. Well, it's not ready. But if you've got the guys we've been watching the last couple of weeks, nah. I think, and he talked about it today, they ran the ball very well again in practice. The more that this has gone on and the more that we've seen, in, coupled with what we know about the personnel and what their personality was last year and who your quarterback is, they're going to run the ball. They're going to play good defense. They're going to pass it more efficiently than they did a year ago. They won't be great at it, but they'll be better at it. And that's going to keep the scores down. I think that when you look at us, I think that's the value play here. Like From a gambling standpoint, start looking at totals for Florida State and start thinking about betting the unders. I really think you can do that, Tom, because – I don't think Vegas will be hip to that just yet. The defense was so bad for the first half or first four or five games last year that people don't remember that the second half of the year featured a Florida State defense that was a top 
the least advanced metrics, top 35 defense, second half of the season. They should start the year the way they ended it this year. Now, you could say they don't have Jermaine Johnson, Jeff. They don't, but they're better at linebacker. They're deep in the interior of the defensive line. You're not going to run the ball on them. Right. They should put themselves in more third and passing situations. They should situations. be in all kinds of plus leverage situations. They really should. And if they get anything off those off the ends from the ends, then they're going to be a very good defense. If they get something from those ends, we'll see. If they don't, they'll be an average defense, but they'll be they'll still be solid. I tend to agree with you that the under is the smart play for the early going. However, my exception would be early in the season, and that would be Louisville. I could see that game getting out of hand a well, little bit. Well, cutting and buying time, and you know, creating plays, and then us being able to run the football on them, and you know, for explosive plays, not just yeah. second and six. Right. It's a, it's it's going to be fun to watch them create, carve out their identities. Cue it up. Let's do some probables here and get to it, my friend. It's time for how you say with the pitching uh, probables. Pirates finally beat the sorry ass D backs. Mitch Keller coming through again. He's starting to pitch. He's starting to figure it out. I'm just screwing Mitch Keller. Yeah, it took him a long enough, but he got it. Miami currently leads Director Matthews Phillies three to nothing in the sixth. Edward Cabrera and Kyle Gibson. Now they came back in the eighth last night furiously on Sandy, did the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cleveland and Detroit, it's 3 to nothing. Cleveland, they're in the sixth as well. That's Zach Plezak and Garrett Hill. Well, what the hell? Houston's uh, leading Texas 3 to nothing, Tom. Another 3 to nothing game. That's uh, every game going on today. That gives them the third. Cole Reagans, who is from here in Tallahassee. That's right. That's right. I'd love to play golf with that guy. Romber Valdez going for the Shrews. White Sox, Royals, Dylan C. Zach Grinky, Cardinals, Rockies, Dakota Hudson, and Herman Marquez. <laughs> Pirates, D-backs, JT Brubaker, sorry, 2-10 and ten ass, rolling out there for the Buccos. He of the 4-6-9, Brubaker family. Not nice. Errol Kelly starts for the D-backs, and he's pretty good. That should be a sure loss, but it's baseball. You don't know. You don't know that. Orioles, Red Sox, Dean Kramer, and Josh Winkowski. And finally, Cubs, Reds, Drew Smiley, Nick Lodolo. And that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. You know, I don't know why. I haven't had one in a long time, but I've had a hankering for a good shake lately. A shake? A shake. I thought it was going to be some sort of uh, alcoholic concoction. No, no, no. But just a regular shake, huh? Yeah. My reputation precedes me, I guess. I thought you were going to say margarona, and I was going to say, lies, you've had one recently. Yeah, I did have one. I took a picture of it and sent it to you just to rub it in. You did, and it, it hurt. You laughed, you smiled, you saw it. That was a real margarona, too. They weren't even pussyfooting with the little corona. It was, was no, a, it was a real corona. No, no coronita. No, Man, was, that thing was full size. I was like, good God. You know, I ordered it. It's like when your stomach is too big. You know, your eyes are too big for your stomach. I ordered it, and I was like, oh, I can't wait. And they brought it out, and I went, God, dog. Here are the keys, babe. Good work out of you. Thanks, everybody. Be well. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Elevations Friday.